Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Romans and chapter 7. Romans in chapter 7. You don't have a Bible with you this morning. There should be one perhaps in the back of the seat in front of you, maybe in the back of the seat behind you. And uh, we would encourage you to pick up that copy of God's Word and follow along with us. We are in the book of Romans and chapter number 7. So if you're not familiar with where that would be, look across the top of the page and you'll see the word Romans. That's the book of the Bible that we're in. And then you're going to look for big number seven, all right? Romans chapter seven and then small number 14. Romans chapter seven and verse number 14. The big number is the chapter. The small number is the verse. Romans chapter seven, verse number 14. Our Bible preaching and teaching method here at First Baptist Church is simply to go through books of the Bible. Next chapter, next verse. And we started this study in Romans at the very beginning of this year. And we are now in Romans chapter number seven, which is uh, one of the most fantastic chapters uh, in all of the Bible. It's, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's the greatest because I believe the greatest chapter is to come. That's chapter number eight. And in fact, we'll begin Romans chapter eight next week, verse number one and verse number two. You will not want to miss Romans eight. But Romans 7, it, kind of, it, it preludes that. It sets up the greatness of that chapter. Romans chapter 7. And I, I need a little bit of help to, to kind of make our way through this chapter. Okay, so um, how many of you remember last week we got Michael up here. We had Michael help us a little bit last week. He held all the chairs. How many of you felt bad for Michael last week? Don't feel bad for Michael. Don't. But I'm going to ask Michael to make his way up here just, just again, just to help us. For a little while, okay? And, uh, and then Derek, I need Derek to come here too. He just got back from vacation. So we'll use, we'll use Derek too. Derek has been kind of the bad guy through this entire study of Romans, all right? So, so here, here's what Paul has already said. Hey, Paul, Paul has said, chapter 6, chapter, uh, the end of chapter 8, chapter 6, Paul has already said, I'm a brand new person in Christ. It, the, the old man, he died. Sin died. And I was made someone brand new. And Paul talked about the person that he used to be, he isn't anymore. Why? Because, of he, because he put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so Michael's going to symbol the good guy, okay? We'll let him be the good guy this morning. And, and Michael is, is representative of that. Paul said, I'm, I'm this brand new person in Christ. And yet, at the same time, while I'm this brand new person in Christ, because of the faith that I've placed in Christ, I became someone brand new. And yet, at the same time, man, there's this, there's this old man. That's, that's the image when you get to uh, Corinthians and later on in the, in, the, in the epistles. There's this old man inside of me. So Derek is the old man this morning, all right? So, so Michael represented this, this new person in Christ. And Derek representing this, this old man, this, this person that he, that he used to be. Okay, so so as, as we work through this passage, I want you to think in terms of Paul understanding himself as two different people. In fact, you want to jump all the way to the end, Romans 7, look all the way to the end, verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the, uh, from the body of this death? Well, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Period. Full stop. 
Okay, so how does he get deliverance from this body of death? Well, it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. God, God will deliver me from this. So look at the end. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Okay, so he's contrasting these two different positions. So, so step up here for me, Michael, and then Derek, step right here. He's contrasting these, these two different positions that I myself, this new person that I've been made in Christ, I myself serve, serve the law of God. With, with my mind, I serve the law of God. Man, but at the same time, the same time, the flesh, man, the old man, that, that, that person I used to be, those habits I used to have, that attitude I used to have, that temper, that anger, man, it's still there. It's, it's still hanging out. And so look at the end. So with the flesh, the law of sin. Okay, so that's, that's how you have to understand the reading of the end of Romans 7. Otherwise, it's going to be really confusing. Okay, so let's all stand together out of respect for the reading of God's word. They're going to stay here and they're going to help us just get through our reading and then we'll let them go sit down in a moment. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Romans 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would... That do I not. But what I hate, that do I. For if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Well, now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Okay, so look here. Here's what he just said. Man, sometimes I find myself doing things I don't want to do. I know I shouldn't do them, but I do them anyway. And I don't like that I do. In fact, I hate that I do that. And yet I find myself doing it. Listen to the verse. So now it is no more I that do it. Look here. It, it, it's no more I that do it. it it's not this new man. It's, it's not this, it's not this um, renewed person. It's not, it's not the new Paul that I've become in, through faith in Christ. It's, not, it's not, no more I that do it, but, but sin that dwelleth in me. It's, it's, not, it's not who I am new in Christ, but it's, but it's sin that's dwelling in me. Okay, look at verse number 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh. Look here. Look here. Look here. For I know that in me, in my flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. Derek is a no good thing. How many of you agree with that point? This is a no good thing right here. In my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. Okay, watch this. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Because well, watch. So I know that in my flesh there dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I know not. So Paul is saying, when I'm operating in the flesh, well, that's a no good thing. When I'm operating over there, when I'm living the way I used to, when I'm thinking the way I used to, when I'm doing the things I used to, when I'm living there, that's a no good thing. But over here, 
Man, I, I know to, to will is present with me. I, I want it to do what is good. I just don't know how to perform that which I know is good for me to do. So I do the no good thing. Are you with me? Okay. So watch this now. Working then verse number six, uh, verse number 19. For the good that I would, I do not. Look here. For the good that I would, I do not. But watch this. But the evil which I would not, that do I. Okay, so, so here, here's what he said. This is this new man. This is the good. Everyone, Michael is good, all right? But, but the things I don't want to do, this evil, it's always there. Derek is evil, okay? The good that I want to do, I, I don't do it. The, the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I always end up doing. That's why I end up doing these no good things. Why? Because I know that I shouldn't do them, but I find myself doing them. And the things that I know I should do, uh, there's, the will is present with me. I know I ought to, but I find myself not doing that. Okay, look at verse number 20. Now, if I do that, I would not. Well, then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. You, you, seen the, you seen the pattern there? That's a very important phrase all the way through the rest of this. The sin that dwelleth in me. The sin that dwelleth in me. The sin that dwelleth in me. Derek is the no good evil sin that dwells in you. I always knew there was something about Derek I didn't like. <laughs> Verse 21. So I find then a law that when I would do good, that's Michael. So when I would do good, now here comes Derek, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Well, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So Paul is helping us understand this struggle that he's having inside of himself. So, so this, is, this is the difficult part about the illustration, because watch. What we can be tempted to say is, yes, I am the good. Yes, I am the always one to do right. Yes, I am like Michael in that sense. And if I could just get rid of all of my Derricks, the no good things, the evil things, the bad things, of which it's my husband, my kids, my boss, my... Right? See, so this is where our thinking is different than Paul's. Because what Paul says is, no, 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 no. That no good evil thing is not something that exists out there. No, that, that, that no good evil thing is something that exists in here. So, so listen, L listen to the phrase. Look at verse 17. Sin that dwelleth in me. You see that phrase? How many of you see that phrase at the end of verse 17? Okay. Sin that dwelleth in me. Look, look at verse number 20. 
but sin that dwelleth in me. Everybody see that? Sin that dwelleth in me, verse 17. Sin that dwelleth in me, verse number 20. Look at verse number 23. I see another law in my members. Okay, that's not talking about church members, okay? That's my flesh, my, my, my fingers, my ears, my eyes, my tongue, my feet, my, my knees, my bones, my, my flesh. I see in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity in the law of sin, which is in my members. And so while Paul is helping us understand the, the old man or, or the old man and the new man warring against the good, the evil, warring against each other inside of us, what we have to understand is these two that Paul is talking about is actually one. Are, are, you, are you understanding that? How many of you say, Pastor, I got the picture. I understand. How many of you still think Derek is the evil one? Let me just, okay, no, no. Okay. He, he's saying this is, this is me, which is why, which is why he gets to the end and says, oh, wretched man that I am. You see that? O oh, wretched man that I am, then listen to what he says, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Who, who, who will set me free from this war that's happening inside, inside of me? Well, here's the answer. Well, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What does it mean to have this war happening inside of us? And then how can we have the victory in the war that's happening inside of us? That's what we'll try to answer this morning. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Father, I pray that you would be with us as we study Romans 7. Give us wisdom. Father, I pray that you'd give us clarity. Father, and I pray that you would help our time to be beneficial, profitable. Father, in our understanding of you, of your plan, your will for us. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, amen. amen. So this is technically point number three of, of Romans 7. So on your outline, you have one main point. This is what we're going to drive at this morning. You have one main point, and here it is. Ready? We, we've said there was the marriage that we had. That was verse number one to verse number six. The marriage that we had, verse 1 to verse 6. Then we said there's a monster that we can't defeat. That was verse 7 down to verse number 13. That was last week. There's this monster that we cannot win. We cannot defeat it. We cannot live up to all the expectations and demands for perfection that the law has placed on us. You can't be perfect. You won't be perfect. In fact, we even say things like, well, nobody's perfect. Right? So there's this marriage we had. There's this monster that we can't defeat. And how the chapter ends, and this is the good news, how the chapter ends is there is a maturity. A maturity that we must have. There is a maturity that we must have. Now what does that mean? Maturity that we must have. Maturity is proper understanding. Full understanding. A, a, a grown up understanding. 
There, there's this maturity that we must have. There's this proper understanding that, there must, that we must have. There's this grown-up understanding that we must have. That's what we mean when we say the word maturity. We mean there's a, there's a full understanding of everything that's happening inside of us now because of how, or when we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, some might even say about this passage, well, this is, this, is, uh, this is the picture of an immature man. In fact, some have, have written that way. As many Bible commentators say that Paul here is showing his, his immaturity in the faith, but I actually see it the exact opposite. I think Paul is showing just how spiritually mature he is. In fact, Paul is one of the most mature Christians that has ever walked on the face of the planet. And Paul, in his apostleship, in his maturity, writes in a way that helps us understand the struggle that he has, the struggle that he is having. And he understands his inability to be victorious in this struggle. Oh, by the way, show me someone who is living under, del under the delusion that everything you do is right. And I will show you someone who is self-righteous, legalistic, and immature spiritually. You see, so if, if you're coming into Romans 7 and you're saying in your mind, well, I do everything that I should. I, I do all the stuff right. Someone who thinks that they are just winning when it comes to spiritual things is someone who actually doesn't understand spiritual things. Is someone who thinks I am the most spiritual person in the room is actually the most immature spiritual person in the room. Are, are you understanding that point? So someone who goes, oh, I, I, have, I, I don't have any of these struggles. I don't have any of these trials. I do everything perfect is actually someone who doesn't do it. not doing anything right. And show me someone who lives under the delusion that they are doing everything right. And I will show you someone who is self-righteous, legalistic, and immature spiritually. So this is the Apostle Paul who is far along in his, in his apostleship. This is the Apostle Paul who is mature in the faith. This is the Apostle Paul who has already expressed his understanding of the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Apostle Paul who is of full wisdom and knowledge of God. And here's what he's saying. The more I know about myself, the, the more I see me, the more I understand me and the more clearly I see the Lord, the more I hate the sin that is hanging on in my life. The more I understand me and the more clearly I see the Lord, the more I realize how debilitating my sin is when it comes to my relationship with God. So there's several points how they work themselves out in the chapter. Notice first, Paul's humble perspective. Number one, a humble perspective. So look what he says in verse number 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So he said two things there. He said first, the law is spiritual. Now what does that mean? 
Well, what it means is that the law comes from the Spirit of God. It comes from God Himself. And because the law comes from God, because it comes from God Himself, it reflects the character, the nature, and the person of who our God is. So the law is spiritual. It comes from God. It reveals to us who God is. We already talked about that in those earlier verses. But notice what he says about himself. The law is spiritual, but I am, what does he say? Look at the verse, verse 14. The law is spiritual, but I am, what's the word? Carnal. Carnal. The law is spiritual. It shows me the person, the nature, the character of our God. But I, I am carnal. I am sold under sin. So, so Paul is looking at his humanness. He, he's looking at himself in the flesh. He, he's looking at himself as is. And he is very frustrated with where he finds himself at. Paul can't be all that he wants to be for God. Paul can't think all the thoughts that he knows he ought to think about God. I'm going to just ask you a question. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt frustrated with where you are in your relationship with the Lord? Have you ever felt frustrated at the idea that sometimes just opening the Bible in the morning seems like such a task? Or going to church and singing praises and worshiping God seems like, seems like just a, another thing that we got to do on the weekend. Of course, we wouldn't say that on Sunday morning, but that's how we feel. And, and, and so many times we fail to realize the law is spiritual. It reveals to us the nature and person of a God. But I am carnal. The law is spiritual. I am unspiritual. Well, why does this happen? Why is it that the law is spiritual, shows me the person, nature, and character of our God, but I am unspiritual? Why does this happen? When here's what immediately what we say. Well, I, listen, I am spiritual too. It's her that's carnal. No, no, I'm spiritual. It's them that's unspiritual. No, I'm spiritual just like God, just like the law. I'm spiritual, but my circumstances, the job, that brother, that sister, that son, that daughter, that mom, that dad, that church, those people. If I could just change that, because that's unspiritual. And here's why I say a humble perspective. Because Paul has this understanding of his own spirituality where he says, yes, I'm an apostle. Yes, I'm called by God. Yes, I'm mature in the faith. Yes, I write the vast majority of the New Testament, and yet the law is spiritual, and I see myself clearly. I am unspiritual. I am carnal. I'm the one who's in need of help. And we view our circumstances the exact opposite, don't we? No, no, I'm spiritual. I'm not the one with the problems. They're the one with the problem. No, no, I'm not the one with the issue. They're the one with the issue. No, I'm not the one struggling. They're the one struggling. I'm not the one who's bitter. They're the one who is bitter. And we have, we lack a spiritual understanding which causes us to be immature, not mature in the faith. To be mature in the faith says, oh, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. 
You, you want to watch how this grows out in Paul's life? 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, which is one of the first letters that Paul wrote. Look here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is one of the first letters that Paul wrote. And here's what Paul said about himself. He said, for I am the least of the apostles. Well, that, that's kind of a compliment, isn't it? The apostles, there's 12 of them. They walk with Jesus. They're given divine revelation from God himself. There are not apostles alive today. There are apostles who are only alive during the time of Christ because the definition of being an apostle is someone that's witnessed the work of the Lord Jesus Christ personally. So we don't believe that there are apostles among us today. And so there's, there were the, the apostles, man, these, these 12 apostles who witnessed the work and ministry of the Lord. And here's what Paul says. I am the least of the apostles. So, so you, know those, you know those 12, and Judas was one of them, and he went off the rails. So you know those 11 guys who saw the Lord, walked with the Lord, talked to the Lord, witnessed the ministry of the Lord? I am the least of them. That's, that's kind of a compliment, don't you think? That's his first letter. I'm the least of the apostles. L listen to it about halfway through his ministry. Ephesians chapter number three. Here's what he says. I am less than the least of the saints. Okay. I'm the least of the apostles. And then in Ephesians, halfway through his ministry, he says, I'm less than the least of the saints. So I'm less than the least of the saints. So all those who are believers, those who are Christians, I'm less, I'm, I'm below even the newest Christian in this room. I'm less than that person. I mean, when it comes to my spirituality, when it comes to my understanding of sin, when it comes to my pursuit of the Lord, when it comes to my obedience, when it comes to my loving and giving and serving, I'm less than the least person in this room, Paul says about himself. Man, I, I'm, I'm the least of the apostles. That's how he began. Man, then he goes about halfway through his ministry. Now he's less than the least of the saints. But listen to it at the very end of his ministry, Paul writing his letter to Timothy. The very end of his ministry. Paul is in prison. He's about to die. He'll, 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 he'll be no more on this earth. He, he won't have his day in court. He won't have any of these. Paul persecuted in prison at the very end of his life. At the very end of his ministry. Here's what he says. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Listen. Of who I am chief. Do you see the progress? Do, how many of you see the progress? I'm less than the least of the apostles. Well, that's pretty good. You're like number 12. You're pretty high up there. No, no, then he gets about halfway through his ministry and he says, I'm less than the least of the saints. Every person in this room is a, you're a better Christian than I am. Every person in this room loves God more than I love God. Every, every Christian in this room, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, you're closer to the Lord than I'm closer to the Lord. Man, Paul says, I'm less than the least of the saints. And then before Paul dies, before he dies, at the end of his life, you know what he says? I am the chief among sinners. Do you see how Paul sees himself? How many of you see it? You see how Paul understands himself? Why? Because the bigger, clearer, more, uh, more full view of God that we have, the smaller we become in our own eyes. You know, the law, the law is spiritual, but I'm, I'm carnal. The, the, the law is the character of God, but, but I'm not. 
The law is the representation of God himself. But me, I am carnal. In me, in my flesh, there dwells no good thing. Paul has, number one, Paul has a humble perspective. Listen, listen, listen. This will really help some of you. Stop trying to give the impression that you have arrived spiritually. Because you haven't. Stop trying to give the impression that you got this Christian thing down pat and this sinning thing isn't one of your issues. And I don't struggle in the kind of, I'm very, no, no, that's a, that's, a, that's a conceited perception of yourself, not a humble perception of yourself. A humble perception of yourself says, no, 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 the law is good, but I am not. I see my own struggles. I see my own failures. I know my own weaknesses and my my weaknesses, my failures, my problems, you know where they exist? They exist right here. The, the biggest problem that David Delaney faces is David Delaney. And the biggest problem that you face is David Delaney. No, no, no. The biggest, the biggest problem you face is yourself. That is a spiritual understanding. An unspiritual understanding says, nope, the biggest problem I have is her. The biggest problem I have is them. The biggest problem I have is that. The biggest problem I have is my neighbor. The biggest problem I have is my wife. The biggest problem I have are my kids. The biggest problem I have is, is if I didn't have all this, then I would be spiritual now all of a sudden. And, and listen, you, you, there's no proper understanding of yourself if that's how you see it. Man, the Apostle Paul, mature in the faith, says what? The law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual. The, the law is good, but, but I'm not good. I, I'm struggling. Why? That's a, that's a big view of God. And a big view of God leads to a small view of yourself. Hear me. The, same, the reverse is true. A big view of yourself leads to a small view of God. We've done this before. But if we had a machine that we could hook up to your mind and we could project all of your thoughts from this last week onto this screen behind me, how many of you are staying around for the movie? If you could take a machine and you could hook it up to my mind and you could say, what did the pastor think? What did the pastor say? What did the pastor go? What's the pastor's thoughts? What were they this week? And you put them up on that screen. There's not one of you sticking around. But before you're too mean to the pastor, if we put your thoughts up there, I wouldn't waste my time preaching this sermon to you. That's a humble, that's a spiritual understanding of yourself. And that is the understanding of ourselves that we, we must have in order to find victory in this life. If you think you have arrived, you have not arrived. If you think that you have not arrived, you have not arrived. Number one, a humble perspective. Number two, Paul gives some honest proof. He says, you want to know why I know this is true about me? 
Do you want to know why I say about myself that I'm, that I'm carnal? Why I'm unspiritual? Let me tell you why I say this about myself. Look at verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. He says, my own, look, my own behavior confuses me sometimes. I, I do things. I don't even know why I'm doing it. I'm just, I'm just doing it. You ever been in an argument with your husband or wife and then you can't remember what you're arguing about? How many of you have ever been there? You're arguing. You go back and you're like, well, no, it was this. No, it was that. No, it was this. Like, why are we arguing about this? I don't even know why we're arguing right now. Who started this? You did. No, you did. Right? Paul says my own behavior confuses me. Man, how many times do we get to the end of the day and we say things like, I knew I, why did I do that? I know I shouldn't have done that. Why did I say that? I know I shouldn't have said that. Why did I go there? I know I shouldn't have gone there. Why, why, why did I listen to that? I know I shouldn't have listened to that. And Paul is saying, I don't always understand why I end up doing what I end up doing. So then he asks basically two questions, which, which are really good questions for all of us. How can I stop doing the things I know I shouldn't do? And how can I start doing the things I know I should? How can I stop doing the stuff that I get to the end of the day and go, man, why did I do that? I didn't want to do it. And then how can I start doing the things that I get to the end of the day and go, man, I'm really glad I did that. I'm really glad I did these things. I'm really glad I stayed away from I'm really glad I didn't look. I'm really glad I didn't go. I'm really glad I didn't. Man, that's the, that's the honest proof. Number three, the history of the problem. Look at verse number 16, verse number 17. So if then I do that which I would not, I can send unto the law that it is good. Now then, it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul says there's nothing wrong with the law. The problem is me. There's nothing wrong with the law. Simply because I can't keep the law doesn't mean that the law is wrong. The, the, the problem isn't with the law. The law reveals to us the character and nature of our God. The problem, Paul says, exists inside of me. It's, it's what he'll come to help us understand as indwelling sin. By the way, there is a big difference between indwelling sin and reigning sin. You see, when you were without Christ, before you put your faith in Jesus, sin reigned, sin ruled, sin controlled, sin dominated. With sin, the Bible says when we accepted Christ, we died to sin. And yet Paul is helping us understand this, this struggle of indwelling sin. That although sin is not reigning, sin is surviving. Although sin is not in control, it is present. Although sin is not calling the shots, man, sin is definitely showing up in how I am acting and reacting. Man, Paul says, the perception of my condition is I am, I am struggling. And the proof that I'm struggling, I'm confused, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm, I'm in a carnal place, I'm in an unspiritual place. The proof of that is I cannot always do what I want and I sometimes do what I, what I know I shouldn't. And the source of that is me. Remember last week we said, your biggest problem is her. No, we said, your biggest problem is sitting next to you. No, no, no. Your biggest problem is you. 
And my biggest problem, it's me. And Paul says, I find myself here, I find myself trapped. So look at verse 17. Now then, it is no more I that do it. Now that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? No more I that do it. What does that mean? Well, it's no more I that do it. It's, it's no longer me. Well, no more since when? No longer is it Paul doing it, but someone else. Since when? Since when has it become someone else that's doing this? Here's the Bible says, since salvation. Paul says, since I've been saved, no longer is it I. Because the real me, the renewed me, the recreated me, man, that, that puts sin to death. It's sin. When, when Christ died, I died. When Christ was buried, I was buried. All those wonderful promises from the earlier part of Romans. When Christ died, I died. When, when Christ was buried, I was buried. When Christ raised, I was raised. That's the new me in Christ. But now I'm struggling and I'm fighting with who? With no longer is it me, but sin that dwelleth in me. Listen to it in Galatians chapter 2. For I am crucified with Christ. Well, that's the old I. That's the old me. That's the person I used to be. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. This is the new me. This is this real me, this renewed, this recreated me. Since I put my faith in Christ, I became somebody brand new. I like, like John teaches us, I was born again. Okay, so I became somebody brand new. I was crucified with Christ. That's the old me. And nevertheless, I live. That's the new me. And yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul understands about himself. What you and I must understand about ourselves is our sinful cravings are not, tr are not the true me. My sinful cravings are not the true me. They're not the new me. They're not the recreated, born again me. He simply recognizes that he has become a new man in Christ. There is a new nature inside of him. He doesn't play for Adam's team anymore. He plays for Christ's team. He doesn't walk in Adam's way anymore. He walks in the, in, in the way of Christ. He isn't the old Paul anymore. No, he's a brand new Paul in Christ. When he put his faith and trust in Christ, he he became someone brand new. And so did you. And so did you. Paul recognizes that he has a brand new true identity. And that new identity is in Christ. This is how we begin to have victory in our lives. Is we recognize that that's not who we are anymore. The source of his sin then. Listen. The source of his sin is not him, it's not the new man. The source of the sin is the old man. It is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. It's no longer I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. His problem is that his old fallenness remains. Sin no longer reigns, but sin does remain. Sin no longer reigns, but sin does remain. And because sin does remain, that's the next one, it is this hindering 
effect in our life. It is this hindering power in our life. Look at verse number 18, verse number 19. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil that I would not, that do I. Listen to it in verse number 20. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So our new man in Christ and our old man are equally yoked together. They're tied up one in another and they can't agree on anything. And they're always going in opposite directions. Okay, watch. All right, Derek, come here, Michael. Watch. The old man and the new man are always going back and forth. Remember, Michael, the new man, Derek, the old man, and they're yoked. They're, they're tied together. It's the same, and they're always going in opposite directions. So Derek tried to go, Michael tried to go, and they're always pulling back and forth. You ever feel like this? Yeah, you feel this tension. I'll, I'll tell her what I really think about her. <laughs> you only want me to come up over there. I'll give you. And you feel it. Then all of a sudden, like, no, no, you went to church last week. You shouldn't. You shouldn't think that. Don't give her a piece of your mind. There's not many pieces left. Just, just keep what you got. And you feel this tension, they're warring, and they're pulling opposite directions. Well, oh, look at this. Well, well, don't look at that. Well, well come over here. Well, don't go over there. And they're warring one against it, and they're, and they're antithetical to each other. They're polar opposites. They're antithetical. They're, they're, can, they're coexisting. It's creating this confusion. Paul says, I feel trapped. Paul says, it doesn't matter what my intentions are. I cannot seem to pull them off. Why? Because even the good that I end up doing, I realize my flesh is present with me. So man, he, he does something that's good. And then what does he feel? He feels all this kind of prideful, self-rewarded, like, wow, I actually am a good person. Look, I went to church. Right, so even the good things he's doing, man, this guy is slick. He is evil. He is awful. He is terrible. What else was I supposed to say, Jillian, about Derek? Okay. <laughs> and he's taking, man, even the good things, man, watch. Even the good things, evil is present with me. Yeah. You know what? I think you're right. I think I did raise some pretty good kids. I'm a pretty good parent. In fact, you could probably learn some things if you listen to me. Oh, you, you know what? You're right. I did put a pretty big offering in the plate. I must be pretty good because I give a lot of money to my offering. Oh, you know what? You're right. I do have the voice of an angel. That's why I sing in the choir. And you're lucky that I have the voice of an angel and you get to listen. I bless you every week. Even, even when I'm doing good, evil is present with me. You see the understanding, thank you. You see the understanding that Paul has? 
And it's this hindering effect. Listen to me. You cannot live the Christian life in your own self-reliance. You cannot live the Christian life in your own self-power. You cannot live the Christian life in your own self-sufficiency. You need someone beyond yourself. So that's how Paul ends. There's these hostile principles. That's the last point, or the second last point, the hostile principles. That's verse 21. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. And then what does it do? It brings me back into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. This is why it feels really good when someone tells you you did something good. You, ooh, yeah, I kind of like being told I'm good. Oh, wow, I, I, I saw you saying a special. That was really good. And instead of going, oh, listen, in me, in my flesh, there dwells no good thing. I miss that note every time I sang in practice. But praise the Lord, he helped me. Instead of doing that, we go, yeah, I got some range. I got some real vocal range. It's always present with us, he says. That's these, creating this hostility inside of us. Man, Paul has said, I, I feel frustrated, I feel confused, I feel trapped, I feel well-intentioned, but I'm falling apart. I even do stuff good, but then somehow I end up feeling self-sufficient in the good that I've done, and then I'm powerless to change it all. Any, anybody in the room like, hey, that's me right there, right? Okay, how do we, how do we find the hope? Last point, the hopeful praise. We gotta, we gotta do this and we gotta get out of here. Look at verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Josephus writes about this part, about this verse, and he says that it was recorded that in Tarshish, where, where Saul was born, that there was a tribe of people who inflicted this terrible penalty for murder. And when someone had murdered a person, that their custom, their penalty for murder was to fasten the corpse of the person who had been murdered to the man that had done the murdering. So they went face to face, chest to chest, wrist to wrist, nose to nose. And they strapped these bands so tight around their hands, knees, feet, and hips that everywhere the person walked, they had this decayed body hanging on them. And so to illustrate this, I thought, man, I should tie Derek and Michael together <laughs> and make them walk around. But then I said, I'm a nicer person than that, so I'm not going to do it. But that's the image. Paul's, Paul's saying, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Whose death? Remember, sin died. The old me died. And yet, I'm strapped to it. In what way? In the flesh. And I'm lugging around this dead body, and I can't seem to get rid of it. And everywhere I go, it goes. 
And it's always present with me. It turns all the good things bad. And I wish I could do good, but I somehow, for some reason, can't. Okay. That's, that's the power of verse 24. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Listen, that's the good news. There is a deliverance from the body of death. And here's the deliverance. Verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Who sets us free from that? Who gives us victory over it? Who delivers us from these hostile powers and principles at work in our lives? Here who it is. The Lord Jesus Christ does. There's victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is victory from, and deliverance from the law of sin, which is inside of us. And it comes from the only man who is without sin. The only one without sin was the Lord Jesus Christ. And because he is that man without sin who took on himself our sin and then died in our place on the cross and then raised victoriously from the grave and he offers to you and he offers to me victory over that sin through faith in him. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus, that's a saving name. Christ, that's a strong name. Lord, that's a sovereign name. And that is what he is for all of us. He is our savior. He is our strong tower. And he is our sovereign Lord in control of it all. But look how it ends. So then. It's kind of a weird way to come back to this, isn't it? So then, what do you mean? I thought, I, thought you, I thought you said we had victory. I thought you said we win. I thought you said Jesus sets us free from that. Right, he does. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, and with the flesh, the law of sin. So then, so then what? Man, so then I go on every day fighting against sin. I go on every day warring against sin. I go on every day with this humble perception about myself. I go on every day recognizing the law reveals to me the character of God and yet I realize in my flesh, in me, there's no good thing. And so I want to do, I delight in doing the law of God, but I find myself constantly not doing the law of God. And so what do we do? We come back and we have confession of sin. What do we do? We come back and we remind ourselves that serving God is the best thing. What do we do? We come back and we remind ourselves that loving God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. This is the first and great commandment with promise. This is what we ought to set our mind and affection on. We come back and we remind our, this is why we do, this is why we build into our lives these routines. Because as long as you are in the flesh, as long as you are here, guess what is present with you? Sin. Listen to it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. When this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and when this mortal shall have put on immortality, 
When do we have victory through Jesus Christ? That's verse 57. When do we have victory through Jesus Christ? When this corruption has put on incorruption. When this mortal has put on immortality. But when does that happen? Anybody, anybody got an idea? When does that happen? When we are no longer here. Listen to it again. Listen to it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan. The tabernacle, this flesh. We who are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but that we would be clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up into life. You see what he's saying? He's saying, listen, friend, while you are here, there is this constant struggle with sin because you are in the flesh. But there comes a day when your flesh is no more. And when you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you take your final breath here on this earth. You take your first breath there in heaven. And when you take your first breath in heaven, what you will realize is corruption has put on incorruption. Mortality has put on immortality. Life is only worth living in eternity. That's what he's saying. That's why Paul can says, that's why Paul can say, oh death, where is thy sting? <laughs> Grave, where's your victory? Because the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the grave but thanks be to God who's given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ see this, this is this is why death is never a threat to the believer it's why it's never a threat to the believer that's why Christians can can face death and go Bring it on. Bring it on. Why? Because death is a doorway that takes me to my eternal home. That's why. So we must not forget. We must not forget that we spend 75 years here on this earth if you're lucky, but you spend millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and squazillion of years someplace other than right here. So are you ready for that? Are you living for that? Are you looking for that? Is your hope in that? That is where we find real true victory.